0: My name is Denver Williams and I am the communication
1: specialist for the Michigan Oral Health Coalition. Today I am here with Ellen Sugru-Hyman and Emily Henderson. Hi, I'm Ellen Sugru-Hyman. I'm the executive director of the Michigan Oral Health Coalition. Our mission is to equitably optimize oral health for all Michiganders and we are a coalition of organizations. Um, So we include provide organizations like the Michigan Dental Association and the Hygienists Association, um, third-party payers or insurance companies, health departments, other advocacy organizations. We also have several local oral health coalitions that do work throughout the state. Um, And we work on a number of um, public policy issues related to oral health. And I'm gonna hand it over to Emily who works for McCall Hamilton. Thanks for
0: having me today. Uh, I'm Emily Henderson. I am a government affairs consultant at McCall Hamilton. Um, we are a uh, multi-client lobbying firm in Lansing, Michigan, and aside from my work with Ellen at the Oral Health Coalition, I also work with other uh, health and human services groups, um, nonprofits, uh, and then provider and patient advocacy organizations. So my first question for you, Ellen, is, what is the history of adult Medicaid dental?
1: So dental is one benefit that is optional for states to provide to people who are eligible for for Medicaid. So my first experience with um, adult Medicaid dental was when I worked for a disability organization, and the state of Michigan actually uh, cut the dental benefits. Um, due to budget concerns, and that happened a couple of times. And it was reinstated, I, I believe, in about uh, 2011. But the challenge we've had with um, adult dental, in addition to the fact that it's an optional benefit, is that um, the services were really limited in adult Medicaid dental. So a lot of the restorative care that many people are familiar with, things like root canals and crowns, weren't covered. And also, um, Despite be, in, in addition to being caught a couple of times, um, the rates were never raised. So the rates were originally set in the early 1990s and they hadn't been raised, which caused many dentists not to take um, patients who had adult Medicaid dental. Um, another challenge was that um, it's a was a fee-for-service program. So um, dentists who did take it had to be Um, receive reimbursement through the state system, which was challenging not only for the rates, but the process of going and getting approved. So um, when I started at the Oral Health Coalition in 2020, we had this adult Medicaid dental program. We were worried it was going to be cut again because of COVID and and, um, budgetary concerns around COVID. Um, But we also, it was a program that only about 10% of dentists participated in. So it was very difficult for um, people who had the benefit to get the services that were covered. As I said, many of the services that people needed weren't covered. Only about 15% of people who were on the benefit in any any given year actually received any dental services under the benefit. So we had started um, in late um, 2021. We had formed a work group. And, and brought together some key players in um, oral health to talk about what we could propose to um, change and improve the uh, adult Medicaid dental benefit. I don't know, Emily, is there anything I left out on the history that you think should be covered?
0: No, I think, I think you covered it. Yeah.
1: Okay. Do you want to kind of talk about when we were doing the Medicaid work group and then? Unbeknownst to us, the governor had also been had this on her radar, and and she proposed changes in uh, February of last year. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I definitely um, think the work that the advocates did in the state paid off,
0: um, because last year, in February 2022, the governor uh, issued her executive recommendations, um, and that included dental reform um, for the uh, Medicaid population. Um, she had proposed um, investing almost 250 million dollars uh, to improve access for Medicaid beneficiaries and enrollees, um, and that would include restructuring uh, the Medicaid dental benefit, how it's administ- how it's administered to uh, beneficiaries, and then also increasing the rates for dental procedures um, in office, but also in the ambulatory surgery centers and outpatient hospitals, and. That was really exciting to see for advocates. Um, it was you know a long time coming uh, over 30 years, but um, putting the work group together and you know seeing how much the advocates um, work together to you know collect data and information share with our state. Um, you know, we're really excited to see this recommendation come out in uh, the executive
1: recommendations. Well, because of that. Appropriation for um, adult medical dental had been about twelve million dollars a year, so to suggest that like we needed another two hundred and fifty million dollars was really like demonstrating the, the value of the program and the the value of oral health care. Um, there have been research that correlated um, good oral health care and access to dental services. Um, or I should say the reverse of that. So lack of access to good oral health care is correlated with heart disease and, and diabetes. So we really felt that if we've got improved access to oral health care, we might see a decline in uh, heart disease and, and diabetes, and, and certainly the impacts of that. The heart disease is the number one killer in Michigan every year. So we were just thrilled about it and then we had this long, kind of, it seems like a long process in the legislature. And I don't know if you want to kind of give a short summary of that long process in the legislature. Yeah, so, you know, each year
0: we in the, in the state of Michigan, our governor proposes, uh, you know, a one-year budget. And so February, we she announced um, her recommendations. And then from there, the House and the Senate uh, kind of take off and... Do their, make their own little tweaks to the budget. Um, and so we saw two different recommendations uh, coming out of the House and the Senate later that spring. Um, it was great because both the House and the Senate wanted to fund the reimbursement rate increase for outpatient hospitals and ambulatory surgery centers. Um, and then they both proposed increasing uh, the Medicaid rates for uh, dental services in the state. Um, it wasn't, you know, as comprehensive as what the governor put together, but throughout, uh, you know, negotiating and working and working with legislators and educating them on, um, you know, what our state really needs to see in order to uh, give Michiganders the dental services they need, um, they ended up coming to the table and put some language in the budget that um, I guess kicked kicked it down the road a little bit into November. Um, but it allowed the Department of Health and Human Services to put together a plan uh, to present to the legislature that would soon be, later be adopted um, that would outline a redesign, um, and that eventually got sign-off from the legislature, and that's you know what we've started to see go into effect this year, in 2023. From my understanding, there was not a consensus made on the structure of the program, would you be able to explain more about that?
1: Sure. They, um, so just to go back a little bit, I mentioned that the adult Medicaid dental had been a fee-for-service program. So that meant if somebody went to see a dentist, the dentist had to uh, receive reimbursement directly from the state. And that's in comparison to a program that Medicaid has for children that basically was piloted and then grew to statewide over the last um, 10 years or so called Healthy Kids Dental. And that program for children and young adults up to age 21 is administered by um, a dental health plan. So there's um, uh, Delta Dental and Blue Cross Blue Shield both administer the, that program. And that means that the dentist makes a claim to the, the dental health plan for reimbursement. Um, so what dentists had told us when we were doing the state oral health plan, that the fee-for-service program was really um, difficult and challenging to get reimbursed for those. So there's a delay in payment, it was complex, it was difficult to get um, reimbursements. So the governor um, had recommended that, that it be, all the dental benefits, be, including Healthy Kids Dental, be incorporated into one program that would be administered by Dental Health Plans. So instead of having these different programs, um, so the adult fee-for-service program and the Healthy Gets Dental, and there was another program called the um, Dental for the Healthy Michigan Plan, which is Medicaid expansion in Michigan. And that program had been administered by the health plans as a dental benefit was one benefit, like, like medical benefits. Um, and to incorporate all those into one Medicaid dental plan that would be administered by probably more than one dental health plan. Um, so we supported that because I said I would support really any delivery method that would get more funding into Medicaid. I kind of joke that like if they said the governor had proposed to like have it delivery by squirrels, I would have said great <laughs> because it came became kind of political in that there was like, are we going to do it by the dental health plan or is it something that... It's just going to be another benefit under the Medicaid health plan, and so there were some people that said they supported one or the other, and I was just trying to say we support any any mechanism that gets more funding to Medicaid because what we want to do is optimize rural health for all Michiganders. Um, so I think that's where the legislature kind of got stuck in when they were trying to finish the budget in June. Of they kept hearing from different entities. Like, this is the best plan, or this is the best plan. I don't know if you, like, were privy to any conversations with the legislators at the end of the budget cycle where they were, like, trying to debate which is better. Because they they eventually said, like, no, we're going to let the department decide on this.
0: I think there's a lot of data collection that they were, that was being given to the legislature. And, you know, I think it's... A great opportunity for the department to really sit down and take more time throughout the summer months to uh, put a proposal together that encompassed every ask that most people, that all the advocates wanted. And I think that definitely was shown um, when we got to November and had a comprehensive plan put in front of us.
1: So do you, Emily, can you kind of share what the, what was in that plan that the Department of Health and Human Services put together?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, a fiscal year in the state starts October 1. So um, by the time the budget was signed, the Department of Health and Human Services had until November 1st to submit a redesign plan to the legislature. So they proposed integrating the adult dental benefit uh, into a state contract Um that state contract is administered uh, by the Medicaid health plans. Um, and then within that contract, they would be tying performance measures uh, into this new benefit. So they had big uh, four recommendations um, to uh, that they proposed to the legislature. Um, so the first one was increasing the reimbursement rate for providers. Um, that's That was a big issue, I think, that um, was noted is that uh, reimbursement rates were very low for the services uh, for the Medicaid population. Uh, the second one was to improve access and provider participation. Um, so getting more dentists to take Medicaid beneficiaries and treat them. Um, the third one is enhanced care coordination. So um, getting a better, you know, having more uh, coordinated efforts are <laughs> having uh, Dental-specific care coordination requirements with the health plan contracts. Um, And then there's also some other, you know, smaller pieces in there like um, leveraging, you know, medical transportation that already exists with the health plans and getting individuals to their dental appointments. Um, And then the last one was offering a robust benefit package. So expanding what benefits are available to Medicaid beneficiaries, uh, like sealants, root canals, crowns, dentures, all of these items were presented to the legislature. Um, and they had 30 days to consider this uh, broader recommendation. Um, and you know, November 30th rolled around and they didn't have any changes or edits. And so we saw
1: this uh, redesign go into effect. That was kind of interesting to me that the way they wrote it was that the <laughs> department had until November 1st to put a plan and then the plan would go in effect Automatically after 30 days, unless both the House and the Senate Appropriations Committees voted against it. Correct. And so they didn't do anything. They didn't vote for it. They didn't vote against it. They just didn't take it up. They just kind of let it go into effect.
0: Yep. Yeah. November 30th came around and it, you know, wasn't considered. So um, I think our advocates were very happy. Um, you know, in conversation with legislators, they were. All, I think they're also feeling pretty good about what was presented to them.
1: So one of the things that we really liked about the plan was it talked about um, average commercial rates, having a hundred the rates for each service be a hundred percent of average commercial rates, and so they actually came out with a, a whole list of services and the rates for each of those services. Um, I don't remember if it was the end of December or the beginning of January, but we had had a partner who had put together a list of the rates for the fee for service program and the healthy Kids dental program in other and dental in other states so medicaid dental in other states so we had a good idea of what the rate should be and when the rates came out we actually did the comparison with the chart we had and and the rates were really good so um a lot of the rates had almost uh doubled oh so that was really good and i my understanding is if i Emily, that these these rates are going to be indexed every year correct they'll be they'll
0: reevaluate those rates uh, to make sure they're finding 100 percent of those average commercial
1: rates so um so we should re- never be in the position where we're, the rates are 30 years old again I think that's the hope <laughs> <laughs> that's the plan I always told people that if i had to make what i made in in, in 1992 i'd i'd be in a lot of trouble right now an hourly rate. So we were very excited about that. I think one of the things that we were most excited about was like the expansion of the service array. So prior to, I mentioned that like things like root canals and and crowns weren't covered under the previous, um, the fee for service program, and now they are covered. Um, which is wonderful. The other thing that we really cared about and that our partners really cared about was periodontal care and I am not a dentist or a dental professional so when I talk about periodontal care I'm like talking about like I have I'm using my fingers this much knowledge about it but that's um, really important care for gum disease and it really makes it so when you have that kind of care that that there's a foundation to provide that other care like root canals and crowns. So you have to be able to treat the gum disease, and I think, in order to do the other care. As a non-dental professional, is that what you think you've heard, too, about periodontal care? Definitely. Okay, so we got a common feeling about that. When the policy came out on the services, one of the things that I was really surprised is that they were covering dental sealants. Um, which are, is a coating of material that they can put on uh, the back teeth to protect the teeth against cavities and bacteria and sugar getting into the teeth. Um, and that's been covered for children, both in Medicaid and on the commercial side, but not covered for adults. And so to see that in fluoride varnish, which is a fluoride treatment that they can put on your teeth after you get your teeth cleaned to kind of protect the teeth. And that's covered for adults as well. So those were really good surprises that came out when the the policy came out of the covered services. Is there anything I'm missing on the services? I think you had all the
0: highlights. Okay. So Michigan had a midterm election in November, and I was wondering if you could share more about that and what it's looking like this year. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we definitely had a historic election in November um, and saw a pretty big shift in Lansing. Um, Democrats flipped both the House and the Senate uh, for the first time um, in 40 years. And with Governor Whitmer uh, winning her reelection, we have a Democratic trifecta. Um, so it definitely changes the dynamics in Lansing. Um, but that being said, the margins between majority and minority are pretty razor thin. Uh, the House is split 56-54, and the Senate split 20-18. to um, And so we have um, really close margins, so there's still a lot of room for bipartisan work, which is really great. Um, we also saw over half the legislature turnover, so we have lots of new members to educate, especially on oral health issues, which I know is a big priority this year, um, and other issues affecting the state. Um, Something that did change in November um, is that Proposal 1 passed. Proposal 1 changed term limits in the state. So currently, um, or I guess this past year, uh, before term limits passed, House members were capped at three two-year terms of service. And then Senators were capped at two four-year terms. So that is a total of 14 years someone could serve in the Legislature. Uh, but proposal one uh, actually lessened the total years of service—12 to years—but all all 12 years could be served in one chamber. So we have a really unique opportunity moving forward, um, where we can really identify oral health advocates in the House and the Senate, and have those long-term, um, you know, advocates and work with them on oral health issues and continue to educate them and their members. Um, you know, and we're going to see lots of things change. I'm sure we're going to see lots of priorities come to fruition. And have those um, those advocates that can really serve in their seat, serving their constituents and focusing on issues for the long term.
1: One of the issues that Emily mentioned was that rates were increased for. Um, hospital operatories and ambulatory surgical centers. So that's one of the issues that we had started working on almost immediately when I started with the coalition in 2020. Um, there's some people who need to get their dental care in a hospital, operatory or ambulatory surgical center. Basically someplace where they can um, get care under general anesthesia. So these include very young children, that maybe have a lot of decay over, you know, many of their teeth where they can get, if they put them under general anesthesia, they can get the care done all within 60 or 90 minutes rather than um, a young child not being able to sit still for four or five or six appointments in the dental office. And then also um, children and adults with disabilities, either because of their disability or their um, medical conditions, um, they need the, the care under general anesthesia. And what had happened was the rates for that were so low that Emily used to like to say that, that basically costs paid to c- clean the room after the procedure. It wasn't sufficient to for the actual cost of the facility, for the nurses that were provided as part of the care treatment. And so, along with it was exacerbated by COVID because COVID um, shut down a lot of elective procedures. And these procedures were considered to be elective, even though in many of the cases, individuals had active infections in their mouths. So they had tooth decay that was causing an infection. And we had heard that there was delays of months. Even one coalition meeting that I went to in Genesee County, they said the wait there was six months. To get um, access in a hospital operatory, so we had put together a work group, and um, and we're working on this issue. Oh, probably for a year before um, the governor's recommendation came out on this. And um, do you want to kind of go over what the governor recommended?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So the governor had uh, recommended that we increased the reimbursement rate for outpatient uh, hospitals and then ambulatory surgery center procedures for uh, dental services. Um, And we were really excited um, because we did end up seeing that get passed in the budget. Um, There was a total appropriation of $3 million of our state general fund, which increased those reimbursement rates for um, ambulatory surgery centers to $1,495 and then for outpatient hospitals to $2,300. And that is an astronomical increase compared to what the current, the rates were going at the time um, prior to the budget being signed. And as you mentioned, Ellen, the backlog of patients needing care was extremely long. Um, And this was uh, very timely for coming out of the pandemic. We have increased rates and we are seeing, you know, Michiganders getting the services they need to treat um you know active oral health issues.
1: And the rates were increased like per procedure from I it was like $195 to what was it like eighteen hundred or two thousand dollars per procedure. So multiple, multiple times to really cover the costs that the hospital incurs and in providing that that operatory for the dentist to use. Mm-hmm. And we had a lot of partners that worked together with us on that, including the Michigan uh, Dental Association. And so we were really excited about that. I remember one of the things that happened while this whole le- legislative process was going on is that Senator Outman he actually proposed even more funding for it. And we were thought that was cool. He like proposed double the funding. It didn't end up getting in there. But we were like, wow, Senator Outman, you knocked that out of the park.
0: Yeah, we actually saw both the House and the Senate recommend more than what the governor originally proposed. Um, and you know, I think after s- looking at it with fiscal analysts, you know that number was ultimately changed in the end and we had a different outcome. But it was really awesome to see the bipartisan support in the legislators that recognized the oral health issues in our state and wanted to support the ask of the coalition.